Welcome to the Bayesian Conspiracy. I'm Inyash Brodsky. I'm Steven Zuber. I'm Jay Sticky. I'm Chase. Hello, Chase. Chase is joining us once again. You were with us. What was the last episode you were on? It was our last tech-savvy one on... Uh, I don't even It was something know. to do with EFF, something... It's been at least three years, maybe maybe more. Have we been on the air more than three years? I think we're coming up on four. Damn, okay. You were on actually twice. You came on once with uh, with Matt, and then once solo. Okay. Hmm. But anyway... Hmm. Welcome back, Chase. <laughs> Friend of the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. We like Chase because he keeps up with, um, a, a, I don't know, electronic news. God, I sound like... Digital rights? Boomer saying that. Thank you, digital rights. That was the name of the last episode that he was on. What was? Digital rights. Digital, digital rights. rights. Okay. okay. Oh, well, yeah. there you go. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yes, Chase keeps up with digital rights. And uh, apparently something happened much earlier in the year, starting in March, which I did not even know about because of fucking coronavirus and Trump and fire and everything else that's been happening. Like this this just literally snuck by me i did not know about right. it and i was like oh my god we should tell people in case someone else has fallen into this trap right <sighs> and and that's convenient just because i don't think there's actually anyone who supports it besides a few you know difficult congressmen yeah like i mean but we're not going to tell anyone what this thing is until after <laughs> we talk about the sequences right so ha eat that for your little um teaser thing <laughs> good hook yes okay uh the first episode sequence the first sequence post we're going to be talking about this week is called double think then in parentheses choosing to be biased uh it starts out with a cl- uh clip excerpt not clip is for movies right with an excerpt from uh 1984 george orwell's uh classic book which i actually still think is pretty good i mean it reads like an old book because it was written in the 50s but uh I think that adds to the charm, though. Yeah, it has like a stylistic thing going on. Yeah, it's, it's probably is partially just um, Orwell's voice, and then partially just the the time period that it's in. And importantly, you can't truly appreciate 1984 until you've read 1984. <laughs> the most important part about this <laughs> yes. story, uh, which for really long time listeners was a uh, short pony fic that I read during the period when HPMOR was. Uh, you know, and it's one long hiatus. Yeah, I was going to say hiatus, but it wasn't really hiatus. It was a period where he was writing it and not posting what he was writing still. Yeah. Yeah. Are uh, there other rationalist pony fix besides uh, Friendship is Optimal and <laughs> 1984? Like, is this just a whole subgenre? I don't know. Yes. I'm sure it's out there. there there's got to be more than that. Yeah. And the uh, the friendship is or the friendship is optimal is actually like at least two parts, right? There's there's two parts, and I think from two it's different perspectives long. or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just re-listened to that while I was um just doing some housework. Cool. It's on YouTube. Somebody like podcasted it. Oh, nice. It's in like ten parts or something like that. Oh, nice. We're gonna have to link it then to, in this episode. Oh yeah, we should do that. Cool. All right. So double think. Uh, it starts with that uh, little excerpt. And then the and quest- if, you, if you can hear labored breathing, that's because Inyash is babysitting a corgi. Yes, and this corgi is not used to being petted. I guess on the head or something because <laughs> he just seems incredibly happy. Um, yeah. Anyways, uh, the the post starts with Elias are asking, "What if self deception helps us to be happy? Uh, what if just running out and overcoming bias will make us unhappy?" Gasp. Yes. <laughs> Which, first of all, question: How do you guys? feel about the whole um like ignorance is bliss yeah exactly um i don't know i mean like 
actually, honestly, the first thing that came to mind when I was trying to think of like, do I know any like dumb people that are really happy? I was like, dogs are all really happy. <laughs> and dogs are kind of known for being kind of dumb. Yeah, but dogs are also like not people. Yeah, they're, they're, they are not people. They are pets to humans. If these dogs had to make their own way in the world, they would not be as happy. And isn't, isn't there some really self-serving anecdotal data that like intelligence is correlated with, with depression? I think I have heard that. Yes. So I, that, that seems to follow that ignorance is bliss. If you fo- if you follow that very <laughs> self serving data, yeah, Chase, go I, ahead. Well, I may be overreaching here, but I, I think generally, you know, the the better your starting position, or your, the the more privi- the more priv- privileged you are, the more comfortable you're going to be, not having to worry about anything, just in general, and that certainly makes it easier. And dogs are pretty high on that tree. Oh yeah, yeah. You were about to say. Um. I seem to remember a Slate Star Codex article that was showing that actually um, IQ correlates with like all kinds of positive outcomes. Um, was I think I feel like I'm missing part of the nuance there. Does anyone remember like specifically what claim that was? Um, I think it was basically what you said that generally IQ tends to correlate with better life outcomes in every measurable respect. Yeah, well, I think one of them was like life fulfillment too. It was like happiness, quality of life, etc. So that seems to fly in the face of this. That said, there's definitely a window, I think, for a lot of people, if you're if you're coming down from a nice, reassuring belief, like unless you're able to transition immediately into a nice solace, uh, medium ground there, like a good example might be people coming down from a, like, if you believe in afterlife of some sort, and then that illusion is shattered, there's, for many people, probably this, this window, at least, if not the rest of your life, where you're just petrified of death, right? Yeah. Um, like, I think believing in an afterlife is probably very reassuring if you actually believe that right i guess but every believer i've met is still you know they sad when other people die day. and they're still yeah have the same avoidance of death instinct actions that everyone else does i think maybe but maybe a bit less of than than someone like us might have because mm-hmm. i mean like they don't sign up for cratics they're not you know taking life extension technology uh news very seriously or very to heart so they're not taking uh preventative aging pills starting at age 30 like true. they're i i mean maybe some of them are i don't know but um i don't know i think for the most part like you know if i wasn't aware of whatever half the terrible shit that's been going on in the world you know like you mentioned this this the whole topic of today's episode flew under our radar because the rest of the world is complete you know dog shit yeah. if i was somehow unaware of that i'd probably be in a happier place right now well i okay so i have explicitly advocated for people watching less news because <laughs> most of the time you can do absolutely nothing about it. There's no impact on, on your life aside to make you more unhappy. But that seems less like an ignorance listing and more of a focus on things that you can actually change and yeah. that could, will actually affect your life. I think that's not even like the, the news is skewed negative anyway. So it's not even really an issue of ignorance. It, it almost seems to me, yeah, you're right, because basically you're just exposing yourself to the dog shit stuff of the world, since that's what all the news is. Like, you can look at positive news. There was, yeah. it might still exist, I don't know, I, for a while I would check this Tumblr that was just positive news uh, compilations about, like, you know, this, this country now has clean drinking water, and I think that it is kind of a weird thing about our species that we tend to, I, I, I guess because we're still... To avoid the bad stuff, yeah, we're, we're focus on yeah evolved, and so we need to yeah like have a survival mindset. Back in the day, if you heard about bad stuff, it was happening somewhere near you and could affect you. Yeah, I we we try to end every episode of the Mind Killer with some sort of happy news. So to 
slightly offset the previous 59 minutes of shit that you've heard. <laughs> there's, a, there's a subreddit called Uplifting News that I like for that reason. Cool. Oh, yeah. I, I honestly think that, like, happiness is not correlated with intelligence. Like, there's people all over the happiness spectrums in all levels of intelligence, I have found. And I think, really, it just changes how you can express your various feelings. Like, people who are unhappy have a much more eloquent eloquent way of phrasing it and convincing other peoples that this is what life is. Life is pain. And anyone who tells you otherwise is trying to sell you something is much easier to sell when you have a lot of intelligence behind it. Yeah. I don't know. I'm sorry for the, the dog growling. He's just, he's super excited. <laughs> Every time I stop patting him, he just like nips my fingers very gently. <laughs> like, it's like, Hey, you're falling down on the job. See if, if dumb people could nip other people on the fingers gently whenever <laughs> they weren't being given something nice. They'd be more happy too. And babies got it really good. They just need to yell, and someone will just be like, "What do you need? I'll bring you anything in the world." Yeah, <laughs> assuming they have any sort of decent parents. Yeah. yeah All right. So. I don't know. I think the thing, the thing with intelligence is at least it sometimes helps you overcome your situations. Like, yeah. sure, dumb right. people sometimes. And I like, think it's it's really related to that. The the less you need to overcome your situation, the better your situation is to start. Then the more you can get away with not making optimal choices and not. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you're if you're in a rich family and you're you know you're not stressed about your grades at school because your life's going to turn out fine anyway, right? Right. Like you're going to land a good job. You're going to make enough money if you even need to make money. So like your your level of background concern is just totally flat. And in cases like that, it might make it might be less ha- beneficial to someone's happiness to really sit down and think about their life, right? Yeah. Yeah, someone brought up decisions. I actually was just reading some articles about, they're about generational stress, about um, how trauma and like chronic stress could be passed down in the genes about, they've like at least been able to study it three generations down. Jesus. Um, so there's epigenetic things that go on too and think, you know, um, trigger the, like turn the genes on or off. But there's definitely a correlation between, uh, someone's grandparents were in some terrible war and that causes actually um what is it a larger amygdala a smaller cerebellum and like impaired decision making so sort of the thing about what was it i think chase had said or one of you guys said um having higher iq like helps you know or better life circumstances like kind of absorbs if you make bad decisions i think you're also just less likely to make impulsive decisions because of all of that i have okay so we are getting way off on a tangent now but this is something i want to ask you guys i recently um in our discord came across this exchange where it was pointed out that uh nowadays we have like much more control over our reproduction than we ever have in the past well in the past several decades anyway nowadays not necessarily meaning like literally this year um but a lot of people are choosing simply not to have kids and a lot of those people tend to be people who are already like kind of depressive and life hurts. And, um, and you know, I don't want to bring kids into this world, so I'm not going to. And honestly, that was a large part of my motivation as well. Um, and it was pointed out, this is a good thing because that way people who are genetically predisposed to be unhappy will not propagate those genes into the future. And those who are disposed to be happy and have uh, happy lives will have more children. So overall net utility of the existing people goes up as there's more happiness. And that kind of like feels terrible. But on the other hand, like I cannot at all dispute this. <laughs> it's going to be a short term uh, 
issue anyway because we're going to be able to have CRISPR babies. I mean, they already are yeah, yeah, that'd able be cool. to make right, I think babies at of, least for like, me. mice, etc. So you can actually like go in and pick and choose those genes. I mean, um, I don't know how fast that's going to roll out and whether or not, of course, it's going to... I mean, even IVF, which is actually a pretty benign procedure, um, like but even eugenics-wise, but people were freaking out for a long time when yeah. IVF came out. And that's been around for, what, 60 years or something now? Yeah, yeah. Even if you can pick the genes, though, that doesn't get rid of my intuitive feeling that this world is bad and shouldn't have more humans in it. But I don't know. Uh, I mean... Not shouldn't have more humans in it, because objectively it should, so the human race can continue and do great things. <laughs> but um, I, I don't I don't know if I can be a part of it. Chase, you were going to say something? No, not at all. I was just going to say, speculating on future outcomes of genetic manipulation is so far outside of my <laughs> reasonable realm of knowledgeable discussion. And like the best thing about it is that there is no government eugenics program. This is all self-selection and people doing what they think is best for themselves and their own lives yeah i've heard lots of you know arguments about the idiocracy thing where people are like oh like the poorest like really religious etc people are having the most kids well and I mean, smart people who <laughs> tend to be more depressed I, I don't even know if any of this is true like i don't know if the numbers actually show that this is correct no. i know a lot of people in the rational sphere tend to um be less likely to want to have kids I think, I don't know, it's still a fairly young demographic, but yeah. from what I have seen, it seems that the replacement levels are less, you know, we, we are reproducing at less than replacement levels. But on the plus side, there's a lot of people out there that are of the rationalist mindset that haven't been exposed to rationality yet. So, Well, and part of the, you know, it's like prosel proselytizing, right? Yeah. So as long as you're recruiting new members at yeah. a rate faster than you're losing them. But what if we recruit every member of humanity, though, and then everyone stops reproducing? Because <laughs> <laughs> we reproduce at slower than our uh, re um, replacement rates. I feel like if, if the entire world was was making that rational of a judgment, and I'm not saying it's necessarily rational not to have kids, but I, if, that, yeah, if that's the level that we hit, then we might be equipped as a species to solve every problem we had in the 30 years before everyone died, right? So <laughs> Maybe. Also, if we achieve immortality, we won't need to replace people. That's a good point. But like, we're so far in the weeds. Yes. So that was all the first two <laughs> sentences. <laughs> uh, what, he, what he was really saying is that um, some people propose that true wisdom would be second order rationality, choosing when to be rational. That way you can decide which cognitive biases should govern you to maximize your happiness. Um, <laughs> we really got far afield, didn't we? Uh, so yeah, choosing choosing when to be rational and when to be not rational, uh, based on when it is most uh, advantageous to be rational or not rational. And um, the I don't know. Before we continue, what do you guys feel about that? Without obliviation, that wouldn't work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's the yeah. same sort of like Pascal's wager. Um, yes, I remember hearing about that and before i could even hear any of the like more nuanced arguments about why it was dumb like that immediately the person who brought it up was like but you can't choose to believe something if you don't believe it you can't just do that yeah. <laughs> like so it doesn't it doesn't matter you bet me money on something oh you gotta believe you know like believe this or don't believe it and it's like i can't choose to believe something like yeah. that i you know or maybe uh, you can maybe act like you believe the sky is green but yeah. you can't actually believe it if you don't believe it and that's what um eliezer's talking about with first order and second order beliefs where it's like you really in your guts believe this thing or like um i guess most of my life like when i was a kid i kind of i was religious because i was supposed to be religious and that never 
I, I actually remember doing double think a lot as a kid where I would start to think a thing and then be like, nope, 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 nope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like distractions, ponies, there's a mm-hmm. dog, uh, pretty rainbows, uh, <laughs> or, you know. Yeah. Wrong. Being scared of wrong think as a kid, as an exposure to religion is kind of, I think one of the features, which is terrifying. Were uh, you guys uh, taught to be scared of wrong think? Well, just like what, what Jace was describing. Okay. Yeah. Like Jace you, certainly you, sounds like, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think I, I mean, I, my memory of all of my childhood is so vague. I don't think so. There was some period around 10 years old, give or take three years where I was concerned for my immortal soul. Hmm. Um, maybe younger. Uh, but it like, I don't know. It's been too long. My memory's too hazy. But I, I, I imagine that's a thing, especially, you know, if you're um, whatever the Bible says you shouldn't be, if you're gay or something, you'll hide from that. You you're, you have an extra inclination to hide from from your identity and your your uh, orientation because you believe it's wrong, right? Right. I remember having these thoughts like, man, Chelsea would be like really hot as a guy. It's too bad. <laughs> just like kind of like, you know, crush it on my, like, a, a friend and like just doing all the same things like when i had a crush on a guy like you know staring at them out of the corner of your eye and then like but like just being like too bad she's not a guy what if i just imagine she's a guy for a bit and then i'll imagine that we're dating and it's just like nice i don't know but like you're literally told that god can read your thoughts yeah and that you not only have to like act correctly but you have to have the right belief so like as a kid it was i, I was just I remember when I did believe in religion, I, I was mostly just mad at God a lot of the time too, mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of resentful. I was just like, yeah, whatever. But it sort of also felt like, yeah, I mean, like look around the world kind of sucks and things aren't fair. And then like, so yeah, it makes sense that we have this like totally like douchebag God. <laughs> that, that rage at God is, was, I mean, it was huge for me too. It's really a thing about when you're on the cusp of disbelieving because you still like feel like God is real, right? And yet you see everything that's horrible in the world. And so there's this anger. And, and you're like, what the hell, God? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not until you've been an atheist for a number of years that you're like, oh, there was no one there in the first place. But God, I was so mad for so long. And then like that anger transferred once I accepted God wasn't real from God to religion instead, since they had convinced me that there was this God. I think my thoughts kind of went back and forth. Like, it's really hard to regenerate what it was like. Um, it's hard to even remember. Like, I think when I was really little... I did believe in religion, but only because I had no other models and everybody else said that they believed it and acted like it. Like, you know, everybody that I knew, mm. which was like my immediate family members and friends. Um, you were raised basically irreligious, right? I was raised uh, non-denominational. Some version of Christian God is real. Right. Um, like, but we didn't go to church. We, I, I was never told this is the way it is or something mm. explicitly, but my parents were vaguely religious in a way that imprinted a bit. The analogy I use is like, I believed God existed as a 10 year old, the same way that like, I believe Japan existed. <laughs> like I'd never been there. I'd seen pictures. People told me it was real. Yeah. You have no reason to think it doesn't. Exactly. You just believe it. Cause you were told that as a child, um, which I think there's probably an evolutionary advantage to believing your parents. Yes. Uh, the, the, the seven year old who wants to investigate whether or not the lake really contains alligators doesn't go on to have children. But also what kind of crazy conspiracy thinking is it to believe that the entire world has conspired to convince you of this all powerful person that doesn't actually exist. Well, but as a kid, you don't, you're not thinking the whole world's convincing you, right? It's just your whole world is your parents. Yeah. But you would have to think like a conspiracy theorist to doubt that as a kid. Oh, sure. Yeah, exactly. I remember, um, an early like deconversion moment being like realizing there are other religions and realizing that there are people, you know, like they say that um in some sects of Christianity, if you're 
if you have a baby and the baby dies and the baby hasn't been baptized yet, it's like, well, that baby is going to hell. Yes. <laughs> or, you know, purgatory. Yeah. There's like, and then like, there's all the weird wiggle things that people would do to I was like, well, they don't. Okay. I know it says this, but there's a special purgatory just for unbaptized babies. That's actually really nice. It's not, <laughs> it's not heaven, but like, or, or like, I remember the rainbow bridge, which is still a thing that a lot of people talk about where like it's animal heaven where your pets what? like live. And then you get to like cross the rainbow bridge and be reunited with all your pets. Oh my God. I'd never heard of that. That is so adorable. There's like a whole book about it. I think I was in Sam's club. Hmm. <laughs> I remember being stuck in Sam's club a lot of my childhood, just reading the books out of boredom. And they were all like weird shit like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, you should, the, the, the post ends up with, uh, you should wonder, I think whether the happiness of stupidity is optimal. If wait, it is, wait. Uh, we skip a piece. I, yeah, there was a thing I wanted to say before. That. Oh, yeah, grab it. Okay. Uh, well, so he says that um, in order for you to be able to choose which beliefs you want to, um, which biases you want to have or not to be more happy, you would first need to a good model of reality so you can extrapolate the consequences of both rationality and irrationality. Uh, so, and then you would have to forget that you had done that <laughs> afterwards. So you can't know the consequences of being biased until you've debiased yourself. And at that point, it's too late because there is no Obliviate spell. <laughs> oh, I do remember an instance of trying to make myself believe something as a kid. It was not religion, but is, do, do you guys remember the show Cat Dog from the 90s? No. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, people who, okay, it was this like Nickelodeon show, and the main character was like a. It was the, the, the like head and torso of a cat fused to the head and torso of a dog. <laughs> It's less horrifying than it sounds, but the question of where's the poop come out is still an open question. Yeah, Only slightly less horrifying. kinds of weird cartoon logic about like the physiology. I guess it was clever, but like there's this sort of dichotomy that like I guess is in a lot of fiction, especially a lot of cartoons. You think of like SpongeBob and Squidward, where you've got the happy idiot. Like dog was the happy idiot character, and then cat was the like the Squidward, like always like being gloomy but like mm-hmm. intelligent. And I remember, like, a lot of cartoons hurt as a kid because I always identified with, like, the gloomy one that was always the butt of the joke. Mm. Like, I I identify so much with Squidward now when I'm watching Spongebob. And it's like, oh, man. (laughs) And for a bit, I was like, I'm going to try to be a dog person. I was like, I'm going to, like, like dog. And I tried really hard. And I was just like, nope, can't identify with this guy. (laughs) (laughs) I think there is a way you could choose to... um to do the second part where you only keep the biases that are uh, helpful to you. If you never actually did the first order rationality, so you didn't find out which ones are helpful and which ones are harmful, but you just trust the rest of society, everyone around you to have done that work instead and just adopt their beliefs and their biases. Hmm. Oh, so we should just hire a rationalist handler that'll only teach us the things that'll make us happier. That would work, but you have to trust your handler. (laughs) (laughs) And then, you know, the who watches the watchers thing comes along. Well, I mean, you're basically a pet, but... I mean, isn't that kind of what religion is anyway? People being like, we have looked at everything already. This is the correct way to do things. No reason to look any further. Yep. Yep. If you look any further, it'll make you sad and ruin your life. And the plot of 1984. It is, it is a plot of 1984. I mean, yeah. like, totalitarianism being sort of like, yes, we the government know what's best for everyone. Shut up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do what we say. Believe what we believe. But it is not portrayed as a good thing. Yeah, and I think it like whereas we're trying to get to like the happy <laughs> utopia where you do have a benevolent AI god <laughs> fixing all mm-hmm. the things and telling you don't look into that hole over there. It'll make you sad. Well, I still I think don't think I'd 1984. Be and oh, what did you say, Chase? Nothing, nothing. I was I was just talking about the AI god. Oh, <laughs> I mean, like, what if you could live in a melas without knowing about the kid in the basement? 
Yeah, I mean that sounds like the the happy scenario, right? But don't they make every don't they make everyone see it? They do. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows if that's required that's, for the ritual to keep working or not, that's right? That's why but, it's called those who walk away. Yeah. yeah. And I always felt I would have been one of the ones that walked away. Like I Me too. I think everyone thinks that of themselves though. That's kind of the point, right? I, I know myself. I mean, like, I do radical honesty because I know that I can't like keep secrets. I, I just blurt stuff out. And I also know that I have to like even if I know that like finding out the truth about something is going to hurt, I still like can't just I th- think that's like probably the mindset that's like that causes people to be more inclined to seek out rationality and this kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Wanting to know the truth, be the master of your own destiny kind of thing. Yeah. Do you want to end up with the uh, final part? Yeah. Um, I guess there's, there's one other thing before that you can't know the consequences of being, Oh, you already read that part. Yeah. Um, You should wonder, I think whether the happiness of stupidity is optimal if it is the most happiness that a human can aspire to, but it matters not that way is closed to you. If it was ever open, all that is left to you now is to aspire to such happiness as a rationalist can achieve. I think it may prove may I think it may prove greater in the end. Yeah, and that's I, good writing. I, yeah, it is good writing, and I think I also agree with the sentiment. Like when I was saying, intelligent people can really um, expound on their depression much better and make it more um, more seem more reasonable and affect more people. I think you can do the same thing with happiness, where you can just appreciate the happiness on a more in depth level and and uh, share it with others on a on a almost deeper level, I guess, than, than if you didn't have all the, the background and the work and the thinking put into it. Yeah, I think so. I think it's like when you get into any art form, whether it be movies or music or whatever, at first you just like it because it is enjoyable and cool and appealing. And like the more you get into the geekery of how this is made and how it can be appreciated and you watch all the videos about people deconstructing stuff, the more you're like, wow, there is like so many more levels of how to appreciate this stuff. And you just you tend to start liking things in a more and different way. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, I think there's something there. There's a deeper capacity for appreciation of something that way. Cause I mean, that's um how I feel about religion too, where there's the idea of this very simple universe or like, but then there's like actually understanding how things work and it's so weird and cool. Mm-hmm. Like, quantum mechanics uh like cellular mechanics genetics like there's there's so much to learn and if you're like somebody who's very curiosity driven that would be like a very small world to live in if i was like i don't know european peasant yeah and it's sort of like stop asking questions about everything (laughs) well that would be a pretty unfulfilling life because it's just like okay i guess everything is exactly what it looks like and everything that people tell me is exactly right (laughs) just the peasant lifestyle seems it's really bad in general That's what peasants do, right? They hammer a thing. (laughs) Thinking of Monty Python, where the peasants were just sort of like... Just keep hammering the dirt until food comes out of it. (laughs) I think they were just like grabbing piles of mud and just sort of throwing the mud around. There's some lovely filth over here. (laughs) (laughs) It's still so funny. Yeah. All right, we got to roll through these if we're going to get to our topic of the day, right? Yes, we are. Jesus. Don't sweat um... it. It's fun. The the second one is why I'm looking, and all it says is that he's writing a book. Um, is there anything else to add? It's one yeah. of those portmanteaus. Yeah, he like vlogging. He he basically says that he has a very hard time like trying to write formal papers and like a big formal book, but he has no trouble at all like writing emails and posting on forums and shit. And that just comes out as fast as he can type. So he decided, yeah, let's go ahead and just post a blog post every day. And afterwards, I will 
uh, edited it all up, curated into a book, and uh, that will be how I write this thing. And that is literally exactly what he did, writing um, AI to zombies. AI to, yeah, Rationality AI to Zombies is basically the curation and reshuffling of all these posts that we are going through. Uh, we just like to see the sausage made, so that's why we are going <laughs> through this part rather than the official final released version. It's fun to recognize that, like, hey, I have this problem where I can't do it this way, but I still want to do it, so I'm going to do it the way that works for me yeah. and just make it work. He could not do it. Um, there's a really common writer's thing where he was saying, I just write very slowly, and specifically because I'm thinking a lot about every sentence, I'm going back and tweaking it and editing it. Mm-hmm. That's why, like, when I was trying to do um, NaNoWriMo, it's the, like, write a novel in a month, month. Oh, man, that's coming up, isn't it? It's next it's month. In November. Oh, yeah. no. Uh, I've never done NaNoWriMo. Uh, I just can't write fast enough. Well, uh, actually, like, the only way I was able to do it was using, um, a, it's a free web tool called Write or Die. Oh, I know this one. Yeah. And that's If you where, stop writing for a long enough time, it deletes everything you've written, right? Or it, it'll start slowly deleting from, like, okay. the back forward. Or you, there's a bunch of different modes. I, I found the most value um, out of the one that would just... If you stop writing after a few seconds, it'll slowly start to turn your screen red and make a terrible sound. <laughs> and you have to keep writing in order to make it stop. Cool. There, there's a positive one, too, where it was like, if you keep writing for a long enough time, you'll hear like nice noises and see pictures of kittens Aww. or stuff like that. That one didn't work for me, though. The the, the punishment was more motivational. <laughs> cool. Uh, yeah, so this one's short. Not much to say. The one thing I wanted to point out before we moved on was that I think I view this as a strength of rationality. Of like uh, when you're trying to do something and it's not working, but it's the traditional way of doing stuff, maybe like stopping and looking around and seeing what works for you. That's kind of similar that you can hack into using as a workaround, like just doing things weird. No, no respected academic would just start posting blog posts every day as as a kind of method of writing their next uh, next big uh, academic book. But, um, you know, he did and it worked really, really well for him. Yeah, so doing and, um, things weird is a thing that that we can harness. <laughs> I think actually that was also the purpose of writing Harry Potter and the Methods of Rationality, yes. where it was like trying to write this like academic stuff wasn't really generating a lot of momentum. What if I make it in the form of a Harry Potter fan fiction? Yeah, and that turned out to not only be like very motivational for cranking out all this stuff, but then also you know attracted the fan base mm-hmm. or I guess the, the community <laughs> as it exists now. Most people were introduced. Or most people that I know of. And I think, I think he like, did a poll too. Yeah. It was a very large percentage of people that actually found the. Uh, it was somewhere community. around like half of people. Yeah. yeah. Came to it through HPMOR or HP Moore, as everyone else says. <laughs> the people who don't have to, uh, you know, spell out the name of the website for people to go to. <laughs> Hipmore. Hipmore, yeah. <laughs> I see. If I were trying to go to hipmore.com, I'd be H I P M O R E and yeah, just end up at some place that sells hip clothing. <laughs> and then the last post was planning fallacy which i don't know if we have to cover all uh, the stuff in it because i think most people are familiar with it oh, um, we yeah. should absolutely cover it because you know there's no hipmore.com oh man take it, Weird. Take it. <laughs> <laughs> it's too late now that i typed it into a browser someone else has already grabbed it to squat it <sighs> i just i didn't think there wouldn't be a hipmore.com i should just redirect too much now <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, um, yeah, three dollars so a month on that planning fallacy. Yeah, not everyone that listens to this has read the sequences, so we should cover it. That's fair. Yeah. No, right. like planning fallacy though is my worst thing ever. Like I mm-hmm. suck at this. This is the rationality skill that I'm the worst at. I think, mm-hmm. and it's really hard to overcome this like 
it's a cognitive bias where you just sort of, it sounds so dumb when you say it too. It's like when people are trying to think of how long it'll take to do something, for example, they'll think about like the optimal scenario. Like, oh yeah, there's this one time where I wrote an essay in like three hours the night before. So that's clearly my norm. Um, Oh yeah. Like the traffic usually isn't that bad that time of day. I've made it in 15 minutes one time. So probably I could do that in 15 minutes. And then like, you just completely over optimistic estimate. You always just think of like, how long does it take you to drive from A to B? And you don't think how often is there an accident or construction or something along the way, which actually is very frequently. Yeah. So you want me to read the first several pieces? Yeah. Uh, it starts out with um, this, this study that was uh, made um, by researchers who are named, but I won't read the names. Researchers asked for estimated times by which the students thought it was 50%, 75%, and 99% probable that their personal projects would be done. 13 of subjects, 13% of subjects finished the project by the time that they had assigned a 50% probability. 19% finished by the time they assigned a 75% probability. And only 45%, less than half of them, finished by the time of their 99% probability level. The researchers say the results for the 99% probability level are especially striking. Even when asked to make a highly conservative forecast, a prediction that they felt virtually certain that they would fulfill, students' confidence in their time estimates far exceeds their accomplishments. And it says that the reason for this is asking subjects, oh, 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 and another surprising finding, asking subjects for their prediction based on the realistic best guess scenarios and asking subjects for their hoped for best case scenarios produced indistinguishable results. (laughs) So their best guess was was the same guess as, you know, what is the absolutely wildly most optimistic guess that you can make? And uh, yeah, it's because they, they said ultimately it came down to generally people didn't, um, didn't envision unexpected delays or unforeseen catastrophes. They just looked through things like, what would this look like normally? And the lesson is that normal is never what normally happens. Chase, when have you been screwed by the planning fallacy? Every time I've ever planned anything in my life. <laughs> Best answer. The, the well, I'm going to quickly say. Uh, well, do we want to cover how he said is the best way to get around this? Yeah, that was actually um, yeah. what I wanted to highlight. If if nothing else, um, where was it at the end? Yeah, inside versus outside perspective. Oh, I want to kind of say these backwards because um, so the last like two paragraphs. So there's a fairly reliable way to fix the planning fallacy. If you have something broadly similar to a reference class of previous projects, just ask how long similar projects have taken in the past without considering any of the special properties of this project. Better yet, ask an experienced outsider how long similar (laughs) projects have taken. You'll get back an answer that sounds hideously long and clearly reflects no understanding of the special reasons why this particular task will take less time. Mm -hmm. This answer is true. Deal with it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Or like, I'm just dating Phoenix who has the like kind of common autistic thing of getting very upset about like when things are planned a certain way and then they're not going that way. Mm. So like, I'll be like, I'll be home in 15 minutes. And they'll just like text back in all caps, planning fallacy. And I'll be like, I'll be home in 30 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) I think the other one other way is to like run your plan by a group of uh, experienced people. Like, so like project managers. Well, no, I was going to say explicitly not project managers or product owners at like a tech job, but your team, (laughs) you want, you want to leave the, the, the bureaucrats out of it. And when your team sits down to plan stuff, 
you say, okay, well, this doesn't sound so bad. They're like, no, no, I've been there. It takes for fucking ever. Double the, your estimate on how long you think it'll take. Um, <laughs> like that, that I find pretty valuable to uh, like roughly predicting the, I don't know, time complexity of accomplishing a task. And if you're uncertain, just pad your time guess a bunch. If you don't know, you know, if you've never remodeled a kitchen, don't read online one thing that says it should only take a thousand dollars. Like, no, I'm going to just go ahead and assume that this person has no idea what they're talking about. It's going to take me three months and five thousand dollars. You know, like then at the very least, you're positively surprised when it only takes you two months and three thousand dollars, right? Yeah. Um. So if, if you don't know and you can't ask experts, just just pad your guess a bunch. Yeah. The the outside view is what it is called when instead of looking at the particular details of what you actually want to accomplish, you just look at how long similar tasks took in the past and then think it'll be roughly the same amount of time. Yeah. Right. Don't, don't assume the happy path. Yeah. And when I, when I initially started, you know, independently realizing how bad planning fallacy was and initially came up with solutions, like my initial reflex is, you know, the padding, just, just pad it to X, but it, it, it gets, it can get difficult when you get into like recursive padding, like, okay, well, walking to my car is only 30 seconds. So I'll double that to a minute, but, the, <laughs> <laughs> but in the wider context of a project, it, uh, it adds yeah, up in weird it, ways. Yeah. I drive to a friend's house, you know, if your phone says it takes 32 minutes, maybe give yourself 40, um, you know, pad it a little bit. Cause phones are pretty good at planning that sort of thing. They'd know about traffic and all this and that, but, uh, you know, if it's a month long project, it's hard really to get a good number down, which is be the other thing is just to bake in some room for flexibility you know like that that's why i was mentioning leave your product directors out of your decision process because they'll say hey we need this by uh the end of november and it's like uh, well then you're not going to get it because we can't commit to shipping this you know immediately without all the details and stuff planned in advance and even then it's it's hazy i was thinking you could tell us what you want or when you want it but not both <laughs> i was thinking of the there's a rat fic about um building the death star Yes. You know which one that is? It's a great one. It's uh, Tools of Destruction, I think. I, thought, yeah. I have been looking for that one. Is that the one about, yeah, the whole project management? And when I, was, when I was thinking of project managers, it was this person who I was thinking of where they're like, no. <laughs> like the, you know. In fact, I did a... Um, yeah, I was going to say, didn't you voice that one? <laughs> I did. Instruments of Destruction is the there name. You go. And it is by Alexander Wales, same guy who did Metropolitan Man. Yeah, that was really fun. There. I've actually been looking for that for like... Probably months to years. No, oh, you're welcome then. <laughs> they, uh, the post ends, it doesn't actually end with this, but there's a great example of the outside view. Uh, says, on a cross-cultural study, they found that Japanese students expected to finish their essays 10 days before deadline. They actually finished one day before deadline. Asked when they had previously com completed similar tasks, they responded one day before deadline. <laughs> this is the power of the outside view over the inside view. And I got to say, I am... I am consistently um, impressed by how accurate the uh, phone GPSs are with estimating my arrival time. And I, I think it's, you know, it's just entirely because the phone doesn't know how long something is supposed to take. It just compares every other route, every other uh, person that drove that route recently and uh, says, yeah, that's how long it took them. It'll take you the same amount of time. Exactly. It gives you the outside view anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. Doesn't know about the inside view at all. All right. Are we ready to dive in? I believe we are. Oh, wait, before we got to say what we're doing next week. Oh, yes. Did anyone else have anything to say about any of these posts and the last one specifically? Nope. I don't think so. Okay. Every time I hear the word planning fallacy, I hear um, 
Hermione Granger say. Aw, <laughs> looks like you fell prey to the planning fallacy. Because <laughs> I just, that was not at all the way I heard that line being delivered in my head. And then she gave it to me and I was like, oh, that's perfect. Yeah, <laughs> that is so good. The sarcastic. Yeah. yeah. All right. For next time, we are reading Kahneman's planning anecdote. Kahneman. Thank you. Kahneman's planning anecdote, which uh, probably should have been in with this week, but I mean, three is really our limit. Uh, also, conjunction fallacy and conjunction controversy in parentheses or how they nail it down. So those three posts. And as always, the links are included in the show notes and at our website, thebasinconspiracy.com. Cool. All right. Going on to our actual subject. Uh, have y'all heard of the Earnit Act that was... Uh, put forward in March by Lindsey Graham and a bunch of other people who hate privacy and the internet and everything good. <laughs> I had not heard of it. I hadn't until you brought it on my radar, no. Uh, Chase, can you tell us what this t- abomination is? Okay. Uh, yes, but to start, we'll kind of have to start with how the internet works. Mm. Um, so <laughs> tubes, right? It, <laughs> it always comes back to Section 230. Yes, exactly. And Section 230 basically is it's it's what allows the internet to exist more or less as we know it today yeah um it's it simply makes it so that content hosts content providers even just service providers don't have to entirely vet every single piece of information on their entire website from every single user all of the time because that would be completely unreasonable Um, i mean it's it's doable it would just drastically alter what the internet is right it would, be, it would be like if if ups or, or fedex or even the u.s postal service if anytime someone sent a mail bomb or anything dangerous or even like maybe a uh an illegal uh harassing threat through the mail if the delivery service could be held liable for delivering that bomb or that threat and they would serve jail time or pay for it uh then there would be no such thing as something that's privately sent anymore. The the deliverer would inspect every single thing and vet it before they would deliver it. Because, you know, if you send something illegal through the mail and then they go to jail for it, they're just not going to let you send anything ever. And that would be the internet. No one could post right. anything anywhere unless it had been completely vetted by some other third party. And that would be- uh, well, by the company themselves, because it would be in their own interest because they're the ones being held liable. So exactly. it stops just shy of forcing every letter to be read to the government but it's (laughs) yeah it'd be like if if you couldn't have a phone conversation unless the phone company that owned the wires vetted everything that was being said to make sure there was nothing illegal being said (laughs) right there just is no privacy anymore and 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 due to the huge amount of um labor that it would take to vet every single thing anyone wants to say on the phone we wouldn't have the phone system as we know it yeah it would make everything inefficient and it would provide like plausible deniability for censorship of other things that like maybe the government just doesn't like you saying right absolutely so section 230 basically if i remember correctly was passed in the early 90s and it's the law that says uh the the equivalent of the phone company or the mail carrier cannot be held liable for what is being said by people on the internet yes you're still liable for things you post if you run the website and you post an article that's full of illegal slander what have you you're still liable but if someone if you post a positive article and someone in the comments says ah he's actually an alien from space you are not liable for that slanderous claim right 
and and more specifically, if some sort of illegal pornography was posted, then you can go to jail for posting that thing. But uh, the ISP that routed your file and the website that your comment was posted on would not be held liable for what you did. That'd be like, imagine, like you said, the phone analogy is perfect. And if I called you and we're planning some terrorist threat, mm-hmm. uh, that's illegal for me to plan it with you and you probably do agree. Yeah. It'd be insane for T-Mobile be held accountable for allowing this to happen. Right. And it's well, like, they, how are they going to like pause the conversation long enough to, to hear everything we're saying and allow it to go through or you know give it a green light or a red light? And there's a there's a fine distinction here because Section 230 is, as as we were talking about, carriers and data purveyors of all sorts. But the Earnet Act is specifically removing, revoking those protections for content hosts. Okay. ISPs aren't explicitly mentioned anywhere, okay. but it's a similar problem because you know a lot of content hosts we like your Tumblers and your Facebooks and your I'm dating myself, but it's the tweeters, they're, YouTube's. They're use they're full of user generated content, just mm-hmm. like you know, just like the stuff the ISP would host. So a comment section on your website, the, the Discord for discussing. After an episode, all of these things are are hosted externally, and those would be what are more affected by Earnit than ISPs. Yeah, Discord itself would be impossible to have anymore. Basically, well, no. I mean, they would just have to check everything, right? Right. Which or, they would or, just scan or, 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 and morally approve every single message, which is in no way problematic. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it certainly wouldn't be free anymore if you had to pay a censor to approve every single thing. <laughs> yeah, I think. I mean, it's. Like, well, so so that's what Section 230 is. What did Earnit right. do? Well, Earnit Earnit more or less revokes those protections for content hosts, content providers, uh, anyone with a user accessible or a user modifiable. Uh, I don't want to say comment section, but and and what anywhere tell, a user can post. What pray tell is there? Um, excuse for how they can do why this sort of thing is a a thing that they can do or they want to do. Oh, save the children. specifically child porn right yes yeah and we have to we have to bring up that you know the uh aclu the uh what's the what's the human rights foundation eff the human rights uh foundation for protection of human rights all of these think it's a terrible plan which you would expect to be the people maybe encouraging laws that protect children but that might be because it doesn't help protect children very much yeah and i mean in every single article I read, there was at least two disclaimers in there, often more than that, saying child pornography is absolutely disgusting and horrible, and it's illegal, and it should be illegal, and that's good, and we should fight it. And then they went on to say why this law is terrible. But like, you know, right. it, it was basically a, a... I was almost sad how that seemed to be required. Like, if they didn't say that, people would assume that they were child pornography um fans or something well because when you couch it in the this is to save the child you know this is to to end this child sex exploitation then like if you're saying well this is a terrible idea like oh so you're pro child sex exploitation or whatever so it's it's a nice weaselly way to get it in there and to have the conversation framed around that i mean like uh child pornography is like a misnomer because pornography is not that bad but like child pornography is universally the worst thing in the world. Yeah. Um, I had a great miserable no, it's film child rape, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, I had a great miserable two hours with uh, uh, Sam Harris's podcast when he's talking with uh, Gabriel dance, who is like the, let's see, deputy investigations editor at the New York times. 
and he works with a small team investigating all things technology from online sexual abuse or online sexual sexual Jesus <laughs> online child sexual abuse imagery to the companies that trade and sell our data. Um, so, I mean, the, the the problem of of child sexual abuse is uh, the worst. You know, it, it's like it's among the worst imaginable crimes, right? right? And so, you know, it. I think Facebook, if I remember from the conversation, it was a few months ago, um, is one of the best reporters of it. Like in the tens of millions a year. Wow. Because they scan the stuff that that's posted. Um, so like it's, it's not that it's the most, it might be the most popular platform for sharing it or it might not be, but the point is they're reporting it at the highest level, which is actually good. You kind of like, you kind of want that. So like, if that means I can't send you a private DM without someone being able to sniff it, like, I mean, that it's, it's one of those, this is where like, I, I'm don't get me wrong. This is a, the, the earn it act is terrible. And I, I can see why it has all these terrible externalities. And yet like, for most things, for most people, it's not going to impact anything, right? Well, like, it, it I mean, means that now someone is looking at every for, single thing you send. Right. For most things, for most people, there's the, it, as, as Jace mentioned, it opens up a, a lot of other, even, even best case, and we say it's implemented with the best intentions by entirely, you know, uh, entirely people entirely interested in preserving public rights even in that best case everything's still going to be filtered algorithmically and ais have you know simple ais and simple filters have a terrible habit of blocking you know false positive and blocking all sorts of stuff that shouldn't be blocked just out of an abundance of caution because it's easier to have an overly strict filter that blocks all sorts of stuff than well, it is to have okay go oh yeah than it is to have uh, uh a, fic- a filter that's not strict enough and opens you to liability You'd rather have a, a bunch of false positives than one false negative. If right. If so AI filtering for child pornography. Like I remember when Tumblr got acquired, mm-hmm. they shut down a bunch of, of stuff and they, they flagged a bunch of stuff as, you know, uh, inappropriate content. And a lot of them didn't even have, you know, it would be like uh, a statue or something. And it's like, yep, that elbow looks kind of like a nipple and the, and the AI caught it as a nipple. Mm-hmm. And so, so like, it's, it's, funny but like that's just the the overzealous uh problem there right right so best case scenario that's what it looks like best case and there are a lot of other less good ways this this can affect ordinary people in ordinary lives and let's um let's go into the earn it act itself for a bit because it's not just saying like this law makes child pornography illegal because child pornography has always been illegal and uh and that never stopped what it actually did uh, was make it so that if um, if anyone posted something on uh, any service that that counts as a child sexual material or whatever they used, uh, I, then I wish they used that. It's actually just anything illegal at all. Really, I thought it had to be specifically with a child um, child abuse. I don't think so, and maybe that's in the amendment. The actual act is called. The Eliminating Abusive and Rampant Neglect of Interactive Technologies Act. <laughs> These names don't mean shit anymore. Rampant. Rampant neglect. Yes. Of interactive technologies. They just needed like it to be words. They, they really wanted the acronym to say earn it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All it, it, As far as I know, it doesn't specifically call out. Let's see. Any... No, I think it's almost, it's almost a blanket revocation of Section 230 protections, which includes... Just about everything you can be sued for. Yeah. Okay. And uh, it, it 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 was originally called Earn It because there was going to be a government committee which made a list of best practices, and as long as you followed that list of best practices, 
you could still be protected by Section 230. Uh, this is the original bill. And um, it was it had basically nothing in details as to what the committee would say. And they could revise what they uh, wanted every five years. And so this was viewed as a way to get rid of encryption on the Internet basically entirely because it, it was assumed that one of the things um, one of the things that would be in the in the requirements was that any law enforcement can see anything on the website or that went through the website with uh, without exception. Yeah. And the like the naive thing is I remember this was a. It was nice and fun to watch Sam Harris like just kind of spout this as somebody who doesn't know tech stuff. But then immediately update when he got backlash was like, you know, it makes sense that Apple should have this is me quoting him. Like it makes sense that Apple should have a way to get into your iPhone because what if, you know, they literally catch a terrorist or you're murdered and they're pretty sure you got a video of the person murdering you. But if your phone is locked and there's no way to get it, then that person, you know, murderer walks free or whatever. Like, wouldn't it be nice if we could just there's some secret way that you have to get a warrant and you take it to Apple and they can get into it. Like the problem with that is like once a door exists, somebody can break break in, right? If there's no door, then there's no then there's no there's no key that someone can forge to get in, right? Yeah. So or that someone can leak in. or lose ten years from now, or right, exactly. Yeah. So it just I think it's just a matter of understanding technologically that you can't have a back door without also having it be exploitable. Yes. There's there's literally no way to make encryption that is like completely secure in every way except to this one. Uh, agency. If there is a hole in it, that hole is exploitable by anybody. So, yeah, I mean, I my my main contribution to this was when I was googling around this, I saw that it was introduced by Lindsey Graham, mm-hmm. who everybody is a big fan of. This was the guy who I said that my main contribution to this would be ad hominems against Lindsey Graham. So, uh, he his super PAC got a quarter million donation from Oracle like a few days before the country uh, threw a fit at TikTok and. Uh, I mean, everyone knows who this guy is, but I think he was the guy who just like this week said something about the good old days of, uh, how did he put it? Segregation. Yeah, the good old days of segregation. Um, you know, it, I mean, again, doesn't have anything to do with his argument. I just hate the guy. Um, <laughs> like it, but what I like about the, the Slytherin meanness of it is couching it in the, in terms of fighting the worst crimes imaginable is makes it impossible to argue against. Right. Right. Oh, you're pro child porn. Is that why you're fighting this? Yeah. Um, it, it, this is basically the same thing that Fosta Sesta was, where they're like, uh, "Oh, you're poor. You're for um, the trafficking of sex trafficking of women and children." I'm like, "No, that's not what this bill fights at all. That, that's not what it does. It makes their situation even worse." And uh, Earn It is a very similar thing where it doesn't address child pornography because, like I said, child pornography already illegal. Uh, what it does is make content providers basically become censors for anything that goes onto their system or through their system. The Human Rights Watch says in like the first paragraph of their article about it, um, the United States Judiciary Committee should reject a proposed law that would jeopardize privacy and free expression rights without effectively protecting children from online sexual exploitation. Yeah. Like it's there, there's, Everyone, you know, who's actually who does work in this realm says, first of all, this is not effective. This is not going to protect children. And like all it is going to do is just wreck the internet for people. I they they've also pointed out that this runs into Fourth Amendment problems. Uh the Fourth Amendment is the one against unreasonable search and seizure, where you have to have a warrant in order to search people's private shit. Uh there have been rulings in the past that when a company was compelled to search 
things and turn it over to the government, they were acting as a government agent. And so the uh, stuff they found was not admissible because they hadn't gotten a warrant for it first. Uh, this in, I mean, this would have to go through the courts to really make a final decision. But based on prior uh, rulings, this would effectively turn every single um, content company into a state agent that is required to monitor all people's contributions to it. And so basically, then it would all be covered under the Fourth Amendment, since the companies haven't gotten a warrant to search every single thing everyone is posting beforehand and might make anything that was posted illegal, uh, not admissible as evidence, which would make, you know, pursuing these cases even harder if the actual stuff that was posted that is child porn is not admissible as evidence anymore. Is this just for um, like public platforms like YouTube or Facebook, or is this for any sort of encrypted over the net communication? Funny you should ask. Go ahead. No, please. Okay. Um, so there has been an amendment made to the Earn It Act uh, where they actually carved out um, encryption, where they said, okay, any end-to-end encryption will not be covered by this. So if you have end-to-end encryption, that's okay. Uh, this won't be covered anymore. So I could still text you links to child pornography via signal. Yes. Uh, but I mean, However, that would be illegal. Right. Yeah. But, but, it, would, but it would be un- it would go under the radar. But what were you going to say, Chase? Uh, yes. However, their uh, their their best practices list still includes recommendations such as scan it before it goes into the end to end end to end system. Yeah, <laughs> that's like saying we won't read your letter while it's on the truck, but we can read it when it arrives at the post office. We'll open it in the period between when it's in your mailbox and when the guy picks it up. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. The um. So it, it, they kind of carved that out. Not sure exactly how that'll work. Um. But they also took away the thing where you can earn, quote unquote, your Section uh, 230 protection by following their practices, because that was the thing that um, kind of made it look like every company would now be an agent of the state. So now just simply everyone has lost all Section 230 protections uh, if this passes. Mm. And whether you follow their whether you follow their best practices guidelines or not, basically would be more of a how how hard the court is going to hit you afterwards for anything that was posted on your on your system and what it's just looking for any illegal stuff right yes so like if i wanted to hurt facebook after this passes i could go to your page and post a link to how to make a bomb or something yes and i would get in trouble presumably and so would facebook yes so it is it is called the harasser's veto you could you could do that in theory yeah but that I mean, would make I guess, Facebook liable for what you did. So I, I guess I just don't see how any of these platforms can possibly survive. That's kind of the point, I think. I think, uh, I mean, this... They uh, want complete censorship control. The Human Rights I mean, Watch says, uh, to avoid criminal prosecution, companies would have a strong incentive to adopt practices for restricting content that would sweep more broadly than the illegal content. So it wouldn't, like, put them out of business. It would just make them, like, ban encryption. <laughs> uh, or, like, have such a strong filter that it's going to make it very unusable. I mean, right. this is a filter against talking about anything that might conceivably be illegal now or in the future, which and up to the individual company's interpretation of that, which would probably be quite wide, right? I po- post a picture of the recipe I use for, to grow weed in my basement. Oh, that's illegal in 30 some odd States. That's illegal content. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It also like does this prudish thing of cracking down on any sexual content. Yes. And like, like air quotes uh sexual content like 
uh, woman breastfeeding is going to go. Uh, all trans stuff is going to go because that's oh, that's sex. Mm-hmm. It's like oh, okay. It, it includes all <laughs> sexual education. Yeah. Funnily enough, it also includes any sexual education that says abstinence is the only way to go because that's still sex ed. So that would probably also be swept up. Although I doubt they would enforce that particular one. Uh, yeah, the the one of the interesting parts about the amendment is that it uh, says state laws also can revoke Section 230 protection. And there are two states specifically, I believe Illinois and Florida was the other one, uh, have laws that say if you don't monitor uh, what your users are posting, uh, that is illegal. And previously, those didn't particularly matter because the federal two section federal law with Section 230 in it uh, preempted that and said, no, carriers can't be held liable for this. Uh, but with that being specifically removed by this amendment now any company that had any users that lived in illinois or the other state which i think is florida um (laughs) would be required to scan everything that anyone said posted or transmitted through their service or they could be held liable for quote reckless or negligent um allowing people to do shit rampant yes rampant (laughs) (laughs) just rampant communication (laughs) so chase what do you see the dystopian outcome of this looking like, you know, this passes say in uh, December, once they confirm that new Supreme court judge and uh, five years from now, like what, what, what does the internet look like? Well, it, it's basically an amplification of, of, of it starts with an amplification of a huge pile of problems we already have, right? Companies don't want to host anything or show anything that might not be right now that might not be profitable, right? They only want to show what's going to, get the clicks and keep the users on. They're not going to show, Hey, uh, my car died. Can anyone give me, you know, help me out. They're going to show cute puppies or whatever. And now we're just going to expand that into anything that might be criminal, maybe sort of depending on what we feel like and depending on how accurate our filters are. And as a wide blanket, that is going to interfere with reasonable conversations about a whole lot of things that aren't explicitly legal, but are a lot easier to put in the illegal bucket. Right, and a lot of there are a lot of important things that ride that line. A lot of journalists, a lot of other communication that rides that. Yeah, it's not illegal, but it's it might be, and it's not profitable. So let's just not. And specifically, there's a lot of things that, since the guidelines are so vague, they're just like whatever this committee thinks isn't great. Uh, what it comes down to is stuff that the government doesn't like. Specifically, mm-hmm. speech the government doesn't might not like will become censored because these guys don't want to risk being, you know taken to the government and either locked up in jails or fined millions of dollars. And so, you know, if the government has a bug up its butt about uh, protesters in the streets, maybe that stuff will just get wiped out. Uh, If the government instead gets taken over by the communists and uh, pro First Amendment right stuff is not liked by the government, then that can all be uh, taken off the internet. Like whatever the government feels is disadvantageous to them will start being uh, taken off the internet. And whistleblowers. Imagine oh, if it was, definitely whistleblowers. Imagine definitely. if it was literally illegal to share like all those videos of police brutality over the last six months. Right. Right. You know, like Twitter feeds were full of them and all that. Yeah. I mean, or if you're on the other side, what if it was illegal to talk about the satanic conspiracy that the Democrats have to rape children? What is it that QAnon says? It's something along those lines, right? <laughs> I don't something know. along every line. <laughs> There, there's lots of other things. What if it was illegal to talk about your religion because the government is now officially a uh, atheist government? Yeah, I 
It's one of those weird, annoying things that I don't know. I don't even have the energy to be upset about it. I, so I guess the other thing is that and this would be it's for, not going to start out with that. It's going to no, start out with you start, know. That's why I said five years, not next month, right? Yeah. Um, so this sounds like the kind of thing where you know, if if my internet didn't think I was operating in the United States, it would be fine. I just VPN to you know England. Um, England and France are also bad choices, but for different reasons. <laughs> Also, any company that has a significant user base in the U.S. is just going to, um, you know, have this in what is it, a blanket thing because it's hard to have yeah. a policy that doesn't include. It's the same reason like um, textbooks that uh, cover biology often just skip over some things that Texas doesn't like because Texas buys so many fucking textbooks. It's easier them in Texas. Yeah, it, it's easier just to make um, textbooks that is okay with Texas than to make a separate textbook for Texas students. Mm-hmm. Right, and the the flip side of that is, look, think about how many of those. Uh, are you sure you accept cookies? That's a result of the EU's GPDR, which technically doesn't affect you here, but I bet you've clicked on a few of those pop ups. Oh my god, Almost privacy every day. policy cookies! Like every website you go on now, it's just like, okay, like we've we've updated our privacy policy. We've updated it again. Mm-hmm. Hey. You enable cookies. Do you want to know what cookie? I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, that's that's GDPR. That's not even American law. And we're exactly. Dead, and so. then there was there was a separate one. I forget what it was. The shorthand for it was, but in California, it had a similar thing. If you do business in California, um, I, you might remember the the title of it. But it basically, if you if your if your company does business in California, your internet company, the user has a right to actually have their data deleted. Um, I think after thirty or sixty or ninety days of inactivity or something. Oh my god. Um, so you, you like you can actually delete your Facebook account now because oh. uh, Facebook has customers in California. Um, right. I, am I remembering that right, Chase? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, at least that one sounds not so bad. But like this was fun because my company didn't have any of these things implemented. So we had to set up a bunch of shit to handle like how do we actually delete people, mm-hmm. which because our database was put together by it seems like it was put together by people working all across the globe in different time zones who spoke different languages when in fact it was six guys who sat in the same room <laughs> but uh it was a nightmare to implement a way to anonymize and pseudonymize and then delete the data um yeah i i don't know man is there any happy news that we can like is there a chance this will be you know not passed is there is there any not there's, bummer way to look at this uh there's a chance it'll be passed with an additional amendment that outright bans private communication in the country <laughs> <laughs> That's the opposite of what Stephen has. Oh, shoot. Sorry. I got that. Back. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so I guess in, in that future though, then that's the point where like the citizens will start noticing like, Hey, why can't I text my, my girlfriend or something? Right. Like people are going to notice, I guess they'll still be able to text them, but it won't be private. So like, will this fly under most of the populace's radar? Will, uh, well, I mean, the biggest places, even slowly, right? Yeah. The biggest, uh, the biggest places change will start to show up quickly is any public facing discussion uh, forums. You know, I can't name the millions of dedicated specific forums, right? I've, you know, I've got 13 for motorcycles and the model of computer and the model of phone and the, you know, all every, every individual hobby has its own forum, its own site, and they're going to be hit first. And they're going to be hit the hardest because they don't have the resources to spin up, you know, an entire investigative branch. Right, so that'll I think be the first visible change is all of those small forums are probably just going to die. So, and any and on the flip side, the public forum on say YouTube, Facebook, other big ones, you won't notice it as much because it'll just silently not be visible or otherwise 
you know, not posted to the site. So you can write your tweet and no one will ever see it. And that's harder for you to detect. Hmm. I wonder there's, there's a number of States where it's illegal for kids to send um, naked selfies to each other. I think it's almost all of them. I think isn't most, don't most States have an exception that like, if they're of the same age, it's not child porn. I think it depends on how, uh, trigger happy your your district attorney is or something but okay. it, it i but yeah for running with the argument what were we going to say though well i was going to say the at this point the the phone services would basically have to scan every single picture anyone is sending or either th- either that or have some sort of like age limitation and only scan the pictures that people under the age of 18 are sending to make sure they aren't sending nude selfies but you know i could be texting you a picture of my weed garden setup right well so um, like if, if you lived in a state where that wasn't allowed they need to know that possibly yeah i'm still not sure if this covers non-child sex material i don't think it has any specific exception as as i read it of course i haven't read the f- literal full text of the lots julian pages Every- but as i understand it it's more or less threatening revocation of basically all section 230 protections which includes every um summary that i read said that it is revoking all ch- uh, section 230 protections for anything that is child sexual material but again since you don't know if a picture that someone is sending is a picture of their car or a picture of you know themselves naked and they're not 18 yet you have to scan literally everything so it basically affects everything everywhere even though it's only in theory aimed at child sexual material hmm. Hmm. that may be i mean so if they're just like you know checking your motorcycle forums to see if there's child porn on there um your motor your motorcycle forums should survive right well they have to check every single post on their entire website oh right it's not the government checking the motorcycle forum host has to you know right bite or buy or write an ai that can check everything that's posted right okay yeah and since this does affect uh like things that are sent between people's phones they you know phone companies would have to start scanning every single pic that you send yeah and to i anyone think else. Um, am i remembering incorrectly that facebook actually well, like people have the ability to flag content and then it gets evaluated with by ais and they have humans that are like their job is to go through all this material yeah the pain farms offshore and yeah. that was also talked about in that episode on child okay porn. yeah it was trying to remember if we had talked about that already i just remember reading about how traumatized some of these people are having this job and having to look at all this terrible shit well well, so you go to facebook and you watch a beheading video and because someone posted some taliban video or something and then you click the report button it's flagged and then some human has to review it right so then some human has to watch it and be like yep that was gross that's not going that's not we're gonna go ahead and block that but yeah those off those those pain farms are are offshore they're cheap and it's just uh these misery factories there was an interesting point made these are generally like you said offshore to cheap um foreign uh places uh, a lot of those places are more conservative than american people in general oh, yeah they're gonna see the like breastfeeding mother and be like oh no can't have that uh-huh they, they specifically <laughs> interviewed someone she was like a lady in her 30s she was a religiously conservative hindu i think and she was there was lots of things were like yep these americans they should not be allowed this is not good and she would just censor things that we would be like, what the fuck? It's just a bathing Someone's in a swimsuit. Ban Americans. Yeah. And yeah, she was like, no, this goes against my religious sensibilities. I will not allow this to be seen. And I mean, it's a tiny amount of power. It's like one person that's banning flag videos, which honestly some troll flagged because they have something against you. So they flagged your stupid picture. But 
you know, it, it goes to show there is weird secondary effects that we don't think of oftentimes to these. Sure. Yeah. And then there's the fun thing of like where, when it's flagged, it's taken down automatically until it gets human reviewed. Mm-hmm. I remember when Dobby, the giraffe was being born at the Denver zoo, there was a live stream and someone marked it as pornography. <laughs> <laughs> And so the stream was taken down for like an hour. Whoa. Right. An hour? It might have been longer or less. Give or take, it was some, you know, non-negligible chunk. You know, I don't know how, I didn't actually watch the video. I don't know how up close and personal it was. I don't know if you want to watch the giraffe come out. But if you want to see a tiny little baby giraffe take its first stumbling steps, you yeah. might have missed it when it was live. Yeah. Um, I, I, I mean, having seen Jim Carrey been birthed from a rhino, <laughs> I, that stuff is legit gross. It's one of those scenes where I had to walk out of the theater, not because it was gross, but because of the secondhand embarrassment. There's okay. so many Jim Carrey movies. <laughs> it's like, oh, no. Yeah. All right. We need some positive news here. Is there anything <laughs> happy happening anywhere in the world, tech world, maybe, if it's relevant or anywhere else, just because? Well, I don't think we got to the worst part. Okay, great. <laughs> Hit, hit me again. <laughs> the worst part is that uh, the Earnit Act they carved out the um, the end to end encryption because you know that that is just absolutely ludicrous to break all encryption in the world. A lot of our fucking banking system runs on that. Well, that's the thing. Like where these dipshits who are proposing these don't know how their phone works, right? Like I remember what was it? It seems like last year, but probably four years ago because mm-hmm. time is weird now. But they like dragged uh, you know Mark Zuckerberg and the the CEO of Google to Congress and be like, you know, why is it when you Google my name, bad stuff comes up? <laughs> and it's like, because you keep doing bad stuff. <laughs> like there's, there's, there's not someone on the other end of Google returning stuff for this. Yeah. It, it brings up what's most relevant. I remember they asked Zuckerberg, like, why was Trump's tweets flagged? And he's like, I don't know. I don't work at Twitter. <laughs> like, I mean, so, so that's the level of people who are, who are writing these laws. Right. And, I, and, I, they, and, and there should be no secret messages. They have no idea what the fuck that means. I feel like this one is somewhat unique in that I feel like those are the only people supporting it. I actually Googled uh, earn it support and I, I, I can't, I can't find anything. Yeah. <laughs> like it's actually weird. So they said that this is, um, by the way, an unelected 19 member commission who are developing these guidelines. So it's just like, who, who even are these people? Why are they put like <laughs> another thing like mentioned that, uh, they're the, they're the department of truth. I mean, the the one thing we know is that the head of that commission would be the Attorney General, which right now is Barr, who who loves censorship. So yeah, uh, the, the, there was I, I just I don't know I found this really funny because uh, at the end of the article, like one article I was reading, they were suggesting what Congress should do, and one of them was to this end, Congress should update and implement a comprehensive national framework to respond to and prevent the spread of child sexual exploitation material and ask the government accountability office to evaluate the effectiveness of these measures. And I was like, okay, wait, there's a government accountability office mm-hmm. <laughs> that they're not like bringing in here. So the, the encryption stuff was carved out in an amendment uh, and the amendment introduced other issues, which we have talked about at length just now. But um, because of that on June 23rd, Senator Lindsey Graham, uh, who we all know and hate. Also, Senator Cotton, which that that name struck me because we talked about him in the last Mind Killer episode. He is the one who is running without a Democratic opponent right now. Oh, uh, something happened with the Democrat dropped out. Uh, and so his main um, opponent at this point is a libertarian. And the guy is pulling only 11 points less than Cotton. So like right now, they're 
could potentially be the very first libertarian ever elected to the Senate on the libertarian ticket, which would be interesting if that happened, although still unlikely. Um, And Blackburn, as the third senator, introduced a bill uh, that basically says, let's make encryption completely legal. It's called the Lawful Access to Encrypted Data Act. You said legal or illegal? It would make all encryption illegal. Oh, illegal. Illegal. Not legal anymore. Yeah. 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 Uh, Which is LAID for short, L-A-E-D. Um, looks like lead. It is, yeah. It, it makes me think of like a Scottish person saying "Lord." Oh, I was just when laid of its papers. When I was thinking about like it's specifically trying to ban child porn. They're like, yeah, the laid act. I was like, um, oh no, this one is not trying to ban, char- yeah, ban child porn. This one is literally just encryption is illegal now. There can be no more end-to-end encryption. Sort of. It, it's well, it's, yeah. it's blocking services from offering. It isn't China level if you have a private chat set up be, literally between you and your friend on your own server. They aren't going to raid your house yet. So right. that's a bright side. They won't raid your house if you're using it, yes. But uh, it will now be illegal to provide it if it does not have a backdoor built in that law enforcement can access. Yeah. Which means basically a backdoor built in that anyone can access. Or eventually, certainly. Yeah. No, no, there's there's absolutely no way that you can make a backdoor without someone getting to it eventually. It, it might take a few years, but a backdoor yeah, is a backdoor. Yeah. I mean, yes and no. Like, I mean, you think about it. You, you use your, your email, and it, it has lots of backdoors. Google can get into it. If you're at a company, your company can get into it. Uh, that doesn't mean anyone can, but it means eventually anyone will be able to. Well, that's partly because Google has a team of people staying ahead of the the, the safe crackers, right? Right, right. So and if, you're, like, if you don't have the Google resources to to keep fighting the ever increasing power of the safe crackers, uh, you know the the hacking criminals in this case, like you're you're just fucked. Well, oh. and it's it's evolving constantly. And that's also Gmail is not end to end encryption. No, not at all. No, it's like this This specifically says even end-to-end encryption has to have a backdoor built in. Right. I mean, this is the reason that Signal is no longer offered in Australia, because there's a law in Australia that says any end-to-end encryption has to have a backdoor in, and Signal is like, we literally cannot do that. Sorry, by people in Australia. It's like what Signal is designed to not do. Yeah. Right, which I'm sure is uh, has excellent long-term effects on Australia's journalism and investigations and just everything. I mean, isn't, correct me if I'm wrong, isn't our current electronic banking system based on uncrackable encryption? Well, yes, but also I don't think that wouldn't really be affected by this. Okay, you think they're just going after communications? Yes, well, and there are other methods by which the government has access to banking information that they can use and do. Right. Let's see. It applies to operating systems, apps, messaging, chat, social media platforms, email, cloud storage, and video conferencing, and all electronic devices with over one gigabyte of memory. So cloud storage is one of the ones that was brought up in that Sam Harris episode on on child pornography, because like S3 is the, um, you know, like Dropbox. It's what Dropbox is built off of. It's just uh, a bucket where you can put whatever you want in it on, on Amazon. Um, they're, they, re, they explicitly don't scan the stuff on there. And so like, because you can buy as big of an S3 bucket as you want, it's really easy to, to hoard whatever you want on there, including nefarious, terrible shit. Um, why did I bring that up? Oh, cause online storage of anything over a gig, anything that has more than a gig of memory on it, mm. which is, so they're talking about cracking encryption fundamentally in endpoints in customer devices and your devices, which is yes. that 
is almost worse. <laughs> it, it is because, insane. Because it, it, once your device is compromised, it doesn't matter how good any service is at yeah. all. It, 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 as soon as your finger touches the screen, as soon as you say something in range of your device, who knows what's going to happen because it's not secured in any way. Yeah. And with uh, COVID-19, everybody is like kids aren't in schools anymore. People aren't at their jobs. Like everybody is using these forms of communication. Right. This is basically a device to install spyware in everything in in our lives. I mean, I mean, it certainly could be used for that. (laughs) What was it? Was it Iran? There was there was a company somewhere uh, that was well, a government that was you know not on good terms with America, and they were buying uh, technology from us. And I believe it was the CIA went in and had the manufacturer uh, like on the actual hardware chip mm-hmm, level mm-hmm. install a back door yeah so that we could access them and eventually they found out about it and now most countries for anything that is like national security level will only use chips that are created in their own country by uh by their their own companies the ones that have that option obviously some of the poor I mean and a fam- famous examples of this already going wrong is there are a huge pile of known intel management engine vulnerabilities mm-hmm. that have that in the intel management engine is theoretically it, it's a non-nefarious tool it's for remote management of servers and it lets intel help you diagnose problems but there were holes in it and it ended the end result was tons of servers were compromised through vulnerabilities baked into intel hardware on the yeah. servers and yeah, that yeah. and that that wasn't designed to be a backdoor but it still was one this is worse yeah, this is like the U.S. going to every manufacturer and saying, you all have to have these chips like we installed in the Iran uh, computer systems that we ship to them so that we can access this at any time and do whatever we want with it. Like mandating that all of us have that in all our electronics. So what are the odds of this going through? Because this this would like... I think they're low just because of how fucking nuclear insane this thing is. Well, because like Apple prides itself and is like pretty good at actually being secure. Right. Um if if they say we're not going to, you know, I mean, the government would probably get by, although it's not clear if Trump would survive if there were no iPhones in the United States anymore. Um, but like the, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, Google probably takes a pretty good stance on their phones as well. Like this, this if you start telling everyone, yep, build back doors and they're like, no, fuck you. Or we can't like, are these going to just stop being on the shelves? Are they going to be outlawed no, outright? It's, it's, Imagine it's, if the government kicks in your door, not take your guns, take your iPhones. <laughs> right. It's not in their interest to do that. It's easy math to run, which is we can comply with this insane law and it'll have huge repercussions that'll suck for everyone, or we can not make money. And the answer is easy for a company whose sole purpose is to make money. Yeah. The um, Are you guys familiar with Corey, Corey Doctorow? No. Indeed. Yes. Okay. He is, uh, I mean, he used to... He, I know he was the one of the high level people at the EFF chairperson. Um, he's also a sci fi writer, uh, which is what I first knew him as. He wrote Down and Out in the Magical Kingdom, which got either a Hugo Knot or a Hugo Win. I don't remember, but he's written a lot of great sci fi stuff. Anyway, he's written about this going back years. Um, I don't even know how long ago. It was at least five years ago that I read it, uh, which he calls The War on General Computing, which is just that people. Well, specifically, people in power don't want you to have general computing devices that can just do calculations. They want you to have only specific single-use items. And since you can't, that is not a natural category, all you really have are computers that have been handicapped and locked down and restricted 
That is that is the purpose of these laws to make all computing devices handicapped, locked down, and restricted by the government so that they can only be used for approved purposes. Right, and that's that's one of Stallman's big things too. Is and both Cory Doctor and Stallman have personally are pretty weird nowadays, but uh, a lot of their older stuff is extremely relevant. Yeah, I'm trying to see how long ago did he write about this? 2011. So nine years ago, Dr. O was already talking about the coming, he calls it the coming war on general purpose computing. And uh, here we are. Well, that was, I mean, they've been trying to create laws like this for a pretty long time. I remember um, actually the fanfic community always freaks out mm-hmm. about it and mm-hmm. does a lot of um, activism around trying to encourage people to vote against these or to write their, write their representatives. Yeah. How would this impact like securely, uh, stored or hashed data well like, it would no longer be it wouldn't no be longer legally securely stored exactly so we can't salt and hash passwords anymore so like it's so like that, that that's the thing where like yeah. you know it might not be a big deal if i when i call my representative at the bank to say hey what's wrong what's wrong with my card and they have to validate my identity through my social security number and all that like whatever the government knows my social security number um it's easy enough to find if you're a nefarious person anyway but now my password can't even be encrypted, so they can just get on there and get on my Venmo account and start sending themselves money. It has to be in some way that law enforcement can get to it. Yeah, I mean that's that's why I'm saying I, I I am really legit shocked that they actually had the balls to go out and propose this, and I don't think it'll pass. But the fact that they felt they had the political ability to propose it and do it itself is kind of worrisome. That's why I've got to think that this is performed by you know uh, technologically uh, illiterate morons because they don't realize that like this also impacts your cell phone dipshit yeah but (laughs) still pass the law no matter how illiterate they are that's true yeah i'm just thinking like there's no way that tech savvy people i mean there might be a way but maybe maybe my my worldview is too rosy it could very well be you know uh perfectly uh literate people doing this to themselves and the country intentionally but i mean economically literate people made the laws in soviet russia and 10 million people starved to death because thems were the laws yeah, but they hadn't done a wide-scale uh, test, you know, of that economic system yet. So, like, well, I guess they... Yeah, yeah, here I could say we have done a wide-scale test because it's all of China. Yeah, <laughs> true. It didn't... It, I mean, depending on your political views, that you can view that as having worked out really well for the Chinese people or uh, not. Yeah. <laughs> Depends on if by the Chinese people you mean the government or the actual humans. But <laughs> Yeah, no, that's, don't worry about those. Those are those are secondary. <laughs> I sort of want to just like read the end of this paragraph, the one where they were talking about the Government Accountability Office. They should ask the Government Accountability Office to evaluate it. Um, where it's what what should Congress do? Congress should also invest in enforcement measures and protections for child victims that have been chronically underfunded. <laughs> Any new standards applicable to internet providers in combating online sexual child sexual exploitation material should be explicitly legislated based on evidence and with special consideration given to their human rights implications. And then Congress should also invite meaningful participation by an engagement with children whose voices and opinions are central to these policies. Hmm. Yep. I just, I find it crazy that I hadn't heard about this at all. Yeah. It kind of makes me wonder, wonder what else is flying under the radar. Mm. I mean, journalism is a, uh, it's real important. Uh, all right, I'm bummed. Someone fix it. Ah, uh, sorry. I wish I, I would have prepared something in advance. Oh, you're good. <laughs> I mean, this, I think I think on a positive note, like you said, there's probably 
very little chance that this that this E2E encryption will or uh, whatever blanket ban will fall through. Um, at some point, someone's gonna have to explain like, no, this is actually a really bad idea for you people who are actually invested in trying to make this pass too. Um, they're they're not no they're not gonna care. They're like, I am a person in power. I will never be that affected by it. Will all of them be that stupid about it? Or like then thing too, if it's unless they're gonna carve out exceptions for like police uh, precincts or something too, then well, like I mean, I, then the then the the hacker savvy citizens will you know start hacking police data. I don't think they're shit. necessarily wrong. Like Lindsey Graham personally will probably never have a bad effect in his life from this. He will be insulated by the power and the privilege that he has. If there's a backdoor to his iPhone, someone's going to share his dick pics that he's taking. Right? <laughs> I hope that's the first thing that happens. It's just, <laughs> just instantly. We should call this episode. Everyone wants to see Lindsey Graham's dick. We should not do that. <laughs> if we do that, it'll get demonetized now. <laughs> Fortunately, we don't require YouTube patronage. We have our own patrons. I'm wondering too, then they'll have to have either like whatever host for podcasts you have, just accept the legal liability of having your content on there. Oh. Or they'll have to find some way to screen all of the audio as well. Right. I mean, we're hosted online um, through our WordPress site. What is it? Um, Bluehost is, uh, mm. or Dreamhost. God, Dreamhost. Dreamhost, yeah. Dreamhost is our uh, our hosts our website, and they would have to go through every single one of our episodes and make sure we aren't saying, you know, I don't know what's the audio version of child porn, whatever the audio <laughs> version of child porn. Make sure that that's not in our podcasts, and eventually, yeah, make sure that the things we're saying is okay with the government. Here's the weird thing: we've talked about sex once or twice before. Uh, would we have to find some way to limit our podcast to only listeners who are over the age of 17? I, cause maybe, cause we no. might be providing sexual content to minors. I mean, like the savage love cast, would that have to be behind a age verification check? Isn't this marked as explicit on iTunes? No, oh. I don't think so. Is it? I don't know. You're looking at me. I don't know. Damn, I, I guess we could just check. I'm pretty sure iPhone. it's not because explicit generally means things like are actually about like sex and stuff. Or like we swear. Yeah, we but definitely that, swear. I don't think swearing counts as explicit. There's tons of podcasts that swear that don't have the explicit tag. Fair enough. Well, in any case, I think, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't see an explicit tag on our stuff. It's like when uh, Amazon, when you publish something on Amazon and they ask you, does this contain adult content? They don't mean, is this like people wrestling with death and is there people kissing and making love? The question is, are you putting out porn? But they can't say that. So they say adult content and it's just understood that you only click yes. If you're putting out porn. Yeah. I mean, like right now you just click, yes, I'm 17 or older on the website. Right. Mm. So like, is that our fault? If someone lies about that, I don't see how it's your or my fault. There's actually we been could be negligently and recklessly not verifying their age. How could you and I possibly be verifying? We would it? have to employ some sort of uh, age verification service. Would we have to, or would uh, dream dreamcast dream host have to, I don't know. It, it can't be us. Uh, why do you say that? Because it would be impossible. <laughs> literally, literally impossible. Does that change? That doesn't stop anything. <laughs> right. That's kind of the point. We might be off the air if it was literally impossible well, for us to do I it. I think literally everybody would be off the air. I don't, right. I don't think that, you know, the largest podcast in the world, the Joe Rogan Experience, has the power to check who's listening to it. I mean, they might, but also part of this, this is why we're saying this would, this would change the internet as we know it. Yeah. It would stop being a public forum. Hmm. Well, is there any law against making another internet? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you ban encryption, they're banning math. There's not much you can do to get around it. Yeah. Great. 
I mean, this is not a specific set of wires that this applies to. This is to any communication done within the U.S. So that's illegal math you're doing over there, sir. Stop that. <laughs> you could make another internet, and the laws would apply to it just the same. Even if you were just to build the servers like in some rapture-like underground server farm, you would still have to find a way to get the data from here to there and then back. Right. Yeah. So that the the getting there and back part I mean, would at, still at apply to this law. At that point, you're effectively uh, breaking the law intentionally. Yeah. I'm just thinking about like internet speakeasies. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you go on, on that, that modern be- encrypted chat clients and that's some of them that, you know, there's discussion about simple things that shouldn't be hard to discuss and are in no way illegal, but they're easier to have there. Yeah. Hmm. It on the plus side would make for a great cyberpunk setting <laughs> with internet speakeasies and then like the right? feds raid them and that's where the story starts out. It's just imagining sort of a cyberpunk like 1920s mm-hmm. <laughs> mashup aesthetic. Yeah, it's a good aesthetic, not not a fantastic legal uh, precedent. No, it's a terrible world to live in, just a fun world to read about. Yeah. All right. Um. So yeah, that's. I think that's what we got on this. Great. This would be terrible, and we should try to stop it. I mean, is there literally any actionable thing that we can do, given that this is, isn't even going to vote? Like, uh, this well, no, it's going to go to vote at some point. Not to us. Well, oh, no, right, to our senators. Yeah, right. So, like, your representatives and yeah, about l- it. L- let's write them. They'll read everything and take it to heart, like they did with the uh, you know the FCC bullshit in 2016 or 17, right? Oh, and with net like, neutrality. Yeah, they, they really paid attention to us when we yelled at them about FOSTA-SESTA, because, you know... The children, don't you know? Honestly, any single time in the past my lifetime that I have seen a law that is about protecting the children, it's always been bullshit to uh, use as an excuse to to fuck people over. Like I, I just have this, you know, you know how there's the um, <laughs> Dan Savage has this rule of thumb that whenever you see a politician speaking out against gay sex, there's a pretty good chance he's having a lot of gay sex. <laughs> 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 I I now have the same heuristic where anytime a law is about protecting uh, children or or uh, sex workers or something, it's actually about something completely different that's just trying to fuck people over and probably will make things worse for the children or sex workers. I thought you were going to anyway. say that they're probably looking at child porn. Oh, God, no. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't go that far. But It would be funny if we just made that a meme, though, which would make <laughs> people stop doing this. That. Well, I mean, that'll be really easy, too. Again, if we can get on Lindsey Graham's phone, then someone just puts child porn on it. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, I, it, it's it's not clear to me how they don't realize that adding backdoors to things is self-destructive, not merely destructive to those, you know, dirt-grubbing plebs out there like you and me, mm-hmm. right? I mean, if you build an entire huge governmental system around it, like China, it can work. It, it they, they don't have significant backdoor problems. They have... They just have backdoors and everything, and an entire, you know, the massive censorship that is inherently connected to that. Yeah, yeah, and then it they- can work if yeah, you live in 1984 China. World. Right, right, exactly. Didn't somebody Which get arrested for like- not where we want to be? But it's kind of <laughs> like those. Are, that's kind of one of the only stable outcomes of laws like this. Right. It is. It certainly seems to be where Lindsey Graham and others of his ilk want to be. Yeah. What were you gonna say, Chase? No, that was it. That was. That's all I, I meant, was going to say. Sorry, I meant Jace. Yeah, that's going to be confusing. Uh, I, I don't know. I was just going to talk about like people getting arrested for political cartoons. Does but, that happen but, that but often? But then there was a cute dog on my lap. And no. I was just like, eh, I don't feel like complaining anymore. <laughs> I don't think people get arrested for political cartoons in China very much, just because people don't do political cartoons in China anymore. Well, unless they're pro the Communist Party. The whole Winnie the Pooh thing, though. 
Right, right. <laughs> which was like pretty benign. Mm-hmm. But yeah. No, you get you get a few people arrested for that, send them to jail for a decade or two, and all of a sudden there's no more political cartoons in China with Winnie the Pooh. Right, once you have enough just stating the obvious, once you have enough monitoring, obviously you need less enforcement because everyone knows you have the monitoring. Which is exactly. Not good, but uh but kind of the the stable type outcomes that come from removing all encryption. Well, this is a bummer. Yeah, I'm sorry we had a bummer episode. Yeah, we had such a positive episode last time. Maybe we needed to even it out. Yeah, we'll we'll find find a balance next time. Yeah. Well, so, I don't have anything. Sorry to be a downer. I just uh... no, no. I, I mean, this is the we, we we actually we opened up with a very appropriate less wrong post for this, right? Would yeah. we rather? Uh, I mean, it wasn't just about ignorance is bliss kind of thing. It was about which cognitive biases to would you like to have? But it's always better to know than not know, right? Mm-hmm. Like. You know, if this passes and everything starts going weird, I'd rather be in the loop, right? Right. So I can yeah. start building my the digital version of my crazy bunker full of guns and food, exactly. my big pile of illegal encryption tools and secure communication tools. Are you actually point-to-point point radios? Like no. Oh, are you? If he was, you? He, if he was, he wouldn't say so. <laughs> oh, damn. Okay. We got to go back to messenger pigeons. Do do you do you have some sort of resource to point people who want to make a digital bunker? <laughs> uh, let me see if I could pull it up. There's a there's a laptop that was originally set up by Stallman where they have stripped out all of the all of the closed closed source code on it, just literally all of it, which is sounds easy, but it was a Herculean task. It's something. Thousands of man hours. Let me see if I can find the name of it. Dude, Stallman is a pimp. Uh, and that's that's a place to start, but it doesn't it doesn't really help in this case. You know, it's it's more it's only useful as a cra- it's as applicable as a crazy person's bunker as a crazy prepper's bunker, right? It's in day to day life, it won't it will not help you. Would getting dark web connections and VPNs help at all? It helps you helps put you on a list. Yeah, that's <laughs> the thing is if you have a VPN, the VPN has like can no longer uh be secure right right so um it it maybe if you were to like fly to another country buy a laptop there that didn't have this backdoor stuff on it install the software there and then come back no i think it's illegal to possess well for now it's not illegal to possess it's only illegal for a service provider as it stands it still remains legal to host your own encrypted chat and services and what have you even if this were even if these both were to pass okay really you could host your own encrypted chat services yeah we do uh, we've uh, a couple, bunch of friends and I in the area have a small. It's a no, service if, called if, Matrix. Called yeah, but if the late act passes, I think so. It's providing a service, and I, I I'm not sure I'm providing a service to anyone. This is exclusive exclusively for my use. Oh. yeah. To provide a service, does do you have to charge for the service? And I wonder if there's like backdoor ways of funding things like Patreon. I don't think you have to charge for a service. Facebook and YouTube and uh, Discord mm-hmm. are all free. The app but they're using your data for, like right, but, but but they don't stuff. charge you for yeah, it. Yeah, it's right. yeah. The mm. bill does specifically apply to operating systems, though. So if you have an operating system on your machine that's running that, they'd still have a backdoor into it. Right, right. Yeah, I'll have I'll have to see into that. As I was reading it, it was specific to service providers. I don't think it's a ban on personal use, but I mean, inherently, if you are operating in a compromised device, it effectively is. Yeah. But. Well, fun on a bun. Yep. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's all it's all good. If any of our listeners are doomsday internet doomsday preppers and know of ways that we can still communicate securely after this sort of shit were to come down, uh, send us some links. Yeah, that, or information. That, I mean, for that, me, it's it's less. I mean, like I, I 
I'm a, I'm a fan of privacy, you know, for the same, like the, the argument of like, if you have nothing to hide, then, you know, you wouldn't mind if we take a look in your house. But <laughs> like, I, I, I understand resisting that. It's not so much that there's a possible way to view my signal messages that I have a problem with. It's, it's that it's impossible for anything to be secure again. Mm-hmm. Well, so like, and you never know. I mean, you can look at everyone in Hong Kong and all of a sudden they suddenly needed some decent secure communications that weren't directly intercepted by the government. And you never know when you might need it. And I know that puts me in the crazy bunker building territory, but... No, I'm right there with you. That's a, that's a really good point. Well, and also, uh, once governments, totalitarian governments that don't give a fuck come around, they will search through stuff in your back history. Like anyone in Hong Kong who posted things five years ago critical of the Chinese government suddenly probably has to watch their ass. If you ever said anything bad about the government on Signal and then uh, <laughs> Signal is forced to compromise, then, you know, if a more tyrannical government takes charge in the U.S., and then they know everything you said years ago, even if now you're like totally lemming and complying. Insert gif of the professor from Futurama. I don't want to live on this planet anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that's literally the point of tyrannical governments. Have dirt on everyone at all times so you can compel anything from everyone. It's a good gig if you can be at the top. Mm-hmm. You know, short short tenure usually for those positions. But I, I think even if you're at the top, unless you're the actual guy at the top, it's terrible. I... I did you see Death of Stalin? Yes. Oh my God, so good. Well, actually, I don't even know the, the people that were literally one level below direct advisor to still ta- Stalin still fucking terrified for their lives. Right. That's what it might be good to be Stalin, but again, short tenure for that for that job. Right. Was this was it in that movie or was it another anecdote where like he? I don't think he was even there, but there were there were some clapping, you know, to celebrate Stalin, oh. and they they clapped for like. 10 or 30 minutes because the first person to stop clapping, you know, would be terrified that they would be thrown <laughs> in the gulags. Yeah. There, there were like people whose hands were going numb because they just, I think it, it definitely went on for more than 30 minutes. I don't know if it went on for an hour or something, but yeah. Terrified to be the first person to stop clapping because you obviously did not love comments down as much as everyone else. And what does that say about you? Terrified to be the guy with one, you know, those arm in a sling, right? Because it's already broken from something. And it's like, well, why weren't you showing support? Well, I literally couldn't. <laughs> I snapped my fingers. Well, that seems... Yeah. Anyway. High, high recommend for Death of Stalin. It is a very dark comedy. Black comedy. Uh, all the events portrayed in it uh, actually happened. Although, you know, the actual words spoken by the people are probably not exactly what they said. Because it is funny. <laughs> and I don't think things would have been quite that funny at the time. But as long as you can, like have murder and sexual abuse in your comedies and just blatant human right violations and terror. It's surprising how, how good it is as a comedy considering how dark it is. There's a show. It was by the and same people. All this shit actually happened. It was by the same people who made the show Veep. Okay. Starring uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. That's all fictional, but it's uh, apparently just about how the government actually operates from, you know, like they ask people on the inside is this, you know, which show is the closest. It's not West Wing, it's Veep. Um, now that I know that the death of Stalin people made Veep, I have to watch Veep because God, that movie was good and it's funny, uh, yeah. but it's also like depressing. It's, it's less depressing because it's a fictional setting, mm-hmm. but well, it's whatever uh, historical fiction, right? Mm-hmm. Modern historical fiction, whatever you call that. For which Veep? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I mean, it's it's supposed to be the modern government, right? In the U.S., but whatever. Yeah. Anyway, Veep is funny. You can watch that while you're uh, see. We found a bright side. Re- recoiling from all this news. <laughs> all right. I don't have anything else to, to add on this one. No. Yes. Should probably leave off there before we get into more depressing things. Chase, do you have anything? Definitely not. This is uh this is more in depth than even I 
Well, uh, I want to thank you for coming on and helping us and talking about this with us. Yeah, man, you totally nailed it. We would have been floundering like morons without you. So, And also for bringing this to my attention in the first place. Sure. Thank you for having me. Yeah. All right. Uh, before we go, we would like to thank our patron, yes? Yes. Cool. Our patron this week is Nick. Nick, thanks so much. We really appreciate it. You are a total badass. And... I can't think of a joke that ties into today's episode. Sorry. <laughs> uh, I want to say that thanks to Nick, as well as all our patrons, but this week specifically, Nick, uh, we are not beholden to content companies like YouTube to monetize us or not monetize us. You guys directly are funding us so we can tell you about these things. And I mean, I guess YouTube wouldn't stop us right now either, but maybe someday. Right. <laughs> if we mentioned the word child porn or something, this episode couldn't go out. You right. just mentioned it. Oh, no. God damn it. <laughs> We were critical of YouTube taking down that video of Dobby being born. Yeah. <laughs> oh, like the house elf. Right. They named the guy after the house elf, the giraffe after the house yeah. elf. That's so cute. We got to feed Dobby when he was still like shorter than your average giraffe. Aww. They do like, I think they let four people on at a time. It's a polite little thing uh, where it's not, you know, freaks him out, but it's really cute. Was there a fence between you and him? Or? Yeah, you're up on like on the actual feeding stand that's at head height for the adult giraffes and Dobby's down here. So you got to lean down and feed him. How long ago was this? Uh, at least two or three years ago, maybe okay. four or five. So, okay. He's adolescent now, if not adult. He's probably adult sized. Yeah. Okay. But you can feed the adults too. So cool. Yeah. But they won't be as cute. Yeah. They're, they're, pl- they're plenty cute. They do have like really long black tongues. The bizarre. Yeah. That's how they get the stuff. They reach it out and like wrap it around to the, whatever you're feeding them. It was like lettuce leaves or something. Giraffes are all them. bizarre. They're, they're bizarre top to bottom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, but yeah. unicorns are the fictional creature. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah. Truth is stranger than fiction. Mm-hmm. Alrighty. Thank ev- thank you everyone for listening to us. Thank you, Nick, specifically for helping us out this week. And uh thanks, Chase, for joining us. Yeah, thanks, Chase. You rock. Cool. Bye everybody. Bye.